Sometimes Josh Allen throws the ball out of bounds so hard, he'll throw it like five rows up just to let you know. <laughs> just, I mean, it's almost Our like to let you know. Like, Our I, I like, hey man, I'm better than you, and I know it. He's like, yeah. go up with Jim. It's just unbelievable. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a special edition of The Chop Shop. Trey Wingo here with Mark Schlereth. It's special for three reasons. One, regular season's behind us. Two, we're looking forward to the playoffs. And three, we're doing this as Mark and I are on two different islands in the Hawaiian archipelago. I'm in Maui. You are on Oahu. Aloha, my friend. Aloha, buddy. Hey, it's always good, you know, to talk a little football and uh, soak in some sun or some shade in my case right now, which is awesome. <laughs> Exactly. Don't don't overheat your phone or yourself. Yes. So before we get into the playoffs, and we have a lot to get to there. We have to talk about the crazy game that finished the regular season. I mean, the NFL is just a gift that keeps on giving. You know, with the way the things played out on Sunday with the Steelers win and the Colts loss to the Jags, there was this crazy thing out there. If the Raiders and Chargers tie, they both get in. Will they kneel for four quarters and just both get in there? And, of course, they didn't do that. But the game ended up going to overtime. The tie scenario was real and then all these people are making all this mess about the timeout that Brandon Staley called on third and four in overtime when it looked like the Raiders were content to run out the clock and they would both get in and then of course after the timeout they got a first down and they were able to kick a field goal as time expired what did you make of that timeout well listen I don't mind the timeout I mean you're playing to try to win that football game thank you I mean I, I get that that's that's what you're doing I mean that's the integrity of the league and you know, when people say, hey, we're going to tank and we're going to do this, players and coaches don't think that way. Players and coaches want to play. That's, you know, that's what they get paid to do. So I don't I don't buy into all that. I will say the explanation by uh, Brandon Staley was a little bit off because he talked about the personnel matchup. And the Raiders had an 11 personnel, one tight end, one back. He had a two linebacker uh, set in there. So he had nickel, five DBs, two linebackers. And ultimately, that's kind of what you want to do when, uh, when, you, when you're when you talking about matching up. He called that timeout. He came out with dime, which if you were afraid of them running the ball, um, that's not what you want to be in, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're inviting them to run the ball in that situation. So. You know, maybe he second, maybe he outthought himself. Uh, you know, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was a, just a mistake in the way they lined up personnel-wise. But that was, that was the only issue that I truly had. But you're, you're ultimately trying to win a game. I don't want to hear about, you know, how he outsmarted himself. I will tell you this: doing a couple of Chargers games and and meeting with uh, Staley on on many different occasions, the guy is super intelligent. Um, he loves his players, man. He does what's best for his players, and his players love to play for him. He's a damn good coach. And that was probably hindsight being 2020 a mistake he made. But the bottom line yeah. is, you know what? That's I, I just have a lot of faith in him as a football coach. Yeah, listen, I had somebody ask me today on an interview I did, was that the worst timeout since Chris Weber of Michigan in the 93 NCAA championship game against North Carolina? I'm like, get out of here, man. It's not even close. One was a complete mental gaffe and breakdown, mm-hmm. and one was a guy that took a timeout to try something that he thought would work, and it didn't work. They, they could not be more different. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. You know what? He took a shot, and uh, it didn't pan out. And Here's the deal, though, You know, and I've talked to coaches about this a bunch. You do what you have to do or what you think is best at the time, and at least you can go home and sleep at night. You yeah. know, the worst thing to do is is live in fear and, and just be afraid to make a call. At least he was a, he, he made a call. He, he, he shot a shot, so to speak. It didn't work out. And you move on. You go home, you sleep well at night and say, man, I did the best I could do. So um, anyhow, unfortunate that he didn't get in, but uh, 
it made for drama, right? And we got the Steelers in and uh, and the Raiders yeah. in. So I, I tell you what, it still worked out in my book. Uh, yeah, it was just an absolutely crazy game. And uh, I know his players believe in him, so we'll see what happens. Okay, before we start looking at the preview of the postseason, which is going to be crazy, um, we have to talk about all the coaching changes that have already happened. And But I think, Mark, to me, the most surprising thing is one coaching change that happened and one coaching change that hasn't happened yet, although I still believe it's coming. Let's start with Brian Flores. I was shocked, shocked that he was let go after three seasons in Miami. What was your take? I was too. I mean, Brian Flores is a guy that I, I mean, his team plays exceptionally hard. Look at the uh, look at the runs they have gone on. I mean, what they win seven straight games, and yep. you're talking about a, a, a guy that plays or coaches in the uh, AFC East with Bill Belichick, and you know, and now it's the that now it's the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. I mean, yep. it's not like you're playing the blind sisters of the poor. And, you know, you're you're a guy that's getting his team to the playoffs or at least being over 500. I, you know, I, I just again, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in that division. And Brian Flores, his guys play hard for him. And that's all I can always I always look at. How hard does your team play for you? Because it says something about who you are and the way you're coaching them. And listen, you're exactly right. They lost that game in Tennessee. Right. Which took them out of the postseason. And what do they do the following week? They beat New England again. And just so people understand, mm-hmm. uh, Miami's now won three straight over the Patriots, six of the last nine, and four of the last five games played in Miami. To me, everything who Brian Flores is as a coach was summed up in the fact that after they had had their hopes dashed of making the postseason, they still went out, played hard, had a 17 nothing lead against New England, and beat them again. Uh, this, to me, reeks of Chris Greer and Brian Flores having a different evaluation of one player, and that's Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It's pretty clear through this whole process that when the Deshaun Watson possibility was available, Brian Flores was very much on board with that from a football perspective only. Let's be clear. From a football perspective only and how that quarterback plays, and I think that might have fractured the relationship a little bit between Flores and Tua and Chris Greer, who was the GM that made the pick of Tua, over Justin Herbert, among other things, is going to go down defending his pick more than anything else. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's an issue. And I think the big—I think the big thing for me, Trey, is listen. It's okay, you know, if a guy that's better than the guy you have becomes available or potentially comes available, you're doing your organization a disservice if you don't pursue that. If you yeah. don't kick the tires on it. So the bottom line is—is is that part is not about hey man, I don't like you or. You know, I can't wait to get rid of you. That's hey, somebody else that's much better than you is here. And if you can't understand that, that's a maturity issue on your behalf, not on us as an organization, because I think people would be shocked, absolutely shocked. And you've covered this league for a long time. They would be shocked if they know exactly how many different names become available on a year to year basis in, in which nobody ever moves. But it happens. The names that get talked about in potential deals, it happens I mean, it happens weekly. It happens daily in the offseason. And I think people would be shocked, especially the players. I think the players yeah. would be shocked to know that their names come up. The Raiders are in. They play the Bengals. And just so people understand how long it's been since the Bengals won a playoff game, they last won a playoff game in January of 1991. Texting wasn't invented until 1992. There has never been a text about a Bengals playoff win. That's how long it's been. But I feel like this is changing because I think they have the youngest bunch of skill position players or the best bunch of skill position players on offense, 25 or younger, with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, and, of course, Jamar Chase. Yeah, they have been absolutely insane. I mean, insanely good. 
I don't know, man. Joe Burrow just plays with so much freaking swagger. It's so yeah. fun to see him play. And, you know, I think there was a lot of us, myself included. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals and you thought, man, you better, you know, you better draft offensive linemen. You better fix, you know, because Joe Burrow goes down and, and has a horrific knee injury. And, um, you know, you, you think and I've always been a believer in building from the inside out. They go after Jamar Chase. And you're just like, come on, dudes, you already got two really good receivers. But what they've been able to accomplish, and I think a lot of it has to do with Joe Burrow, his uh, his just his ability to be efficient, his ability to understand what's going on, get the ball out of his hand, and the way that um, that uh, they are calling plays over there, they they are legit. They've got so many weapons, so much talent. Um, but most of all, Trey, they just play with a ton of confidence, man. They play with yeah. physicality and confidence. That um, that was probably the thing that I more than anything else. That was the one thing that I I think that I didn't give them enough credit for coming into this season. So tip of the cap to them. They're playing great, and they're a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun. They really are. By the way, if the game goes to overtime, go with the Raiders. The Raiders were 4-0 and in overtime games this season. The last team to do that was the 2011 Cardinals, uh, who also won four overtime games. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other game Saturday – uh, the, the other game Saturday is the Patriots at the Bills. This will be the third matchup between these two teams in 41 days. And obviously, Mac Jones goes in as a rookie quarterback up to Buffalo. We all know what happened the last time they went up to Buffalo. Mac Jones threw it three times, uh, and they got, got away with the win. But I feel like Buffalo, after like sort of having an emotional crisis after losing to the Bills and then losing the next week, they needed that win over New England in Foxborough. And I feel like they steadied themselves, and I think they're going to be where a lot of people thought they were going to be when the season began. I agree with you. I think the uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are just a really good football team. And sometimes you go through, you know, those moments where you're not clicking, where you're not playing very well. But I'm with you. They went into New England, beat uh, a New England Patriot team, like you said, that beat them in Buffalo with three passes. It's one of those things that builds confidence and. There are several times during the course of a, a season or during the course of your career where you go on somewhere and, and you know, not that there's anything like moral victories don't exist, but yeah. there are places you go to and you play and you play well in. And if you come away with a victory, that's great. But even if you just come away with a really tight loss game, it, it can build confidence with your football team. I think going to New England and winning in New England built a lot of confidence for them down the stretch. I think offensively they're really talented. We know – you know, we know that um, Josh Allen is is just a freak show. Sometimes Josh Allen throws the ball out of bounds so hard he'll throw it like five rows up just to let you know. <laughs> just, I mean, it's almost Our like Americans. let you know, like, Our I, yeah, like, hey man, I'm better than you, and I know it. He's like yeah. the level gym. It's just unbelievable. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think Buffalo. Uh, I think Buffalo ends up winning that game. By the way, if you like points, this is not your game. The Bills and Patriots were one two in uh, fewest points allowed. Uh, in the NFL, it's the first playoff game of those two kind of teams since Super Bowl 45 between the Packers and the Steelers, which, by the way, is still the only Super Bowl appearance for Aaron Rodgers. And 31-25 is still the only 31-25 score in NFL history. Now, you know, we take a quick break here on the Chop Shop. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Sunday games and also the Monday night matchup, a Monday night playoff game. That's next on the Chop Shop. Here's a peek of what you can learn by watching Trey's Trends every week on the Caesars Sportsbook social media and YouTube channels. Since the league first expanded to the playoff format of 12 teams in 1990, at least four new clubs have reached the postseason every year. The playoffs this year will feature seven teams, seven that weren't in the tournament a year ago. The Cardinals, Cowboys, Patriots, Eagles, 49ers, and two teams that get this whole party started, the Bengals and the Raiders. 
Now, the Bengals opened as a six and a half point favorite over the Raiders, who can drink for free in Pittsburgh for a while. Either the Bengals or the Raiders will end a significant playoff drought with a win. The Raiders last won a playoff game during the 2002 season, which ended with a Super Bowl loss to the Bucs. For Cincy, it has been much much longer. They have not won a playoff game since January of 1991. That's before texting even existed. They have lost eight straight postseason games while failing to cover in seven of them. When these two teams met in week 11 of the regular season, the Bengals won by 19 as two-point favorites. Joe Burrow only had 148 passing yards. That'll be tough to duplicate as he's getting that in a quarter these days, passing for 971 yards in his last two games. Find more of Trey's trends at Caesar Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube with new episodes dropping every Friday. 21 or older or 18 and older in D.C. must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, if you know someone that has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, call or text TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. And now for the first time in New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text hope new york 467-369. Copyright 2022, Caesars Entertainment. All right, back with Mark Schlereth and Trey Wingo on the Aloha version of the Chop Shop. Yes. Mark coming to us from Oahu. I am in Maui. We're taking a look at the Sunday games here, uh, and we'll start with the Eagles and the Bucks. Uh, and this is the team that matches the team that ran the ball with the highest percentage of plays this year in Philadelphia and the team that ran the ball on the lowest percentage of plays in Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay stumbled a little bit down the stretch of the season, and the Eagles can play keep away. They can play keep away. That's what they want to do under Nick Sirianni. What do you see happening here? Well, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles are, are the way they're built. They're interesting because they can run all the plus one type of play, like run plays, you know, with the quarterback involved, the RPO stuff where you get him on the edge, you use him. Um, really tough matchup. Tampa Bay has been over the last couple of years, one of the most efficient teams in football as far as stopping the run is concerned. So like, that's a really, that's a really good matchup. Um, the issue with Todd Bulls, you're going to get pressure. You're going to yeah. get pressure on early downs and you're going to combat that running game with that pressure. And if you can stop that running game, if you don't get creased, you stop that running game for no gain for negative yardage, I just don't believe that Jalen Hurts is going to beat you throwing the football. If you keep them in third down and seven plus, third down and eight, third down and nine, third down and 11, because of your aggressiveness on first and second down, um, that's where that's really where Tampa is so different. They almost steal possessions. They steal yeah. um, opportunities from you because of their aggressiveness on first and second down. And that's what I really see, uh, you know, when I watch them on film and study them. 
And so you put you put them behind the chains. You put Philadelphia behind the chains. I just don't think you have enough quarterback play to overcome that. That's that's why I would like Tampa in this game. And, and oh, by the way, among the myriad of things that have been amazing for Tom Brady this season, this one stood out to me. At the age of 44, he's one of only two quarterbacks that threw the ball at least 30 times in every single game this season, the other one being Josh Allen. So even at 44, Brady is on no pitch count whatsoever. So elasticity, pliability, and all that avocado shit must actually be working. Uh, next game to talk about is the Niners and the Cowboys. And if you're a fan of the NFL of a certain vintage – like, this brings back memories, right? Three straight years yes. in the 90s, the Cowboys and Niners met in the NFC Championship game. And these teams are are both wildly sort of up and down this year, right? We've seen good 49ers. We've seen bad 49ers. We've seen good Cowboys. We've seen bad Cowboys. You almost never know which group is going to show up for either one of these squads. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're 100% right. I mean, I, I do know this. You know, the strength-on-strength strength matchup, right? Because when you look at the Cowboys, their ability to get after the opponent's quarterback, their ability to rush the passer, their ability to bring pressure, multiple pressures, their ability to play you straight like 4-2 stuff, then put five defensive linemen down in the game, um, that's really what they do probably as well, if not better than anybody else. And they've got Gregory. They've got Lawrence off the side. They've got uh, – Micah Parsons, they've got a bunch of dudes that can flat out play. And then you look at the San Francisco 49ers, the way they run the ball with their not only the running backs, but Debo Samuel, all the motions and all the shifts and all the things they do to slow down a pass rush. That's really what they're doing, right? And all those motions, all those shifts, all those formations and personnel groupings, what they really want to do is create great matchups and great angles in the blocking game for themselves. And that's been that's been the beauty of, of the 49ers. So this is truly a strength-on-strength strength matchup between these two. The, the thing that bo- that bothers me or the thing that, that perplexes me, I think, Trey, is the up-and-down nature of the Cowboys' offense. Yeah. Like, I yep. can't figure out their offense. I can't figure out 56, why they can't 56-22-51. Those are the last three yeah. games. 56-22-51. Right. And it makes, it makes no sense. Sometimes they are just absolutely on fire, and other times it just is like they are so off. So – it's just a really, it's a really interesting kind of um, situation with them between how good they are sometimes offensively because they've got the talent, and then just how inept they seem to be at times. Yeah. By the way, just something from a historical perspective to keep uh, keep an eye on here: the Cowboys actually finished the league number one in points. 31.2 points per game, and number one in yards, 407 yards per game. They hadn't done that in 50 years. The last time the Cowboys did that was the 1971 season when they ultimately went on to win Super Bowl six. Just keep that in mind as we go forward. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's the Sunday night game. Kansas City uh, is welcoming in Pittsburgh. And look, when, when it all figured out, and, and either the Chiefs are either going to get the, the Raiders or the Steelers, I think everybody in Kansas City was like, we're good because we've seen how this plays out, right? They have tap danced the uh, they've tap danced the Raiders twice this season, and they got up thirty to nothing on Pittsburgh. And look, I, I give Mike Tomlin all the credit in the world for getting this team into the postseason, but the Steelers' offense needs a laxative, otherwise they cannot get going. And I just think this is a bad matchup for Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Oh, I I think anytime you match up against Kansas City, it's a bad matchup. I mean, yeah. they are so obviously defensively they really turned things around toward the end of the season um uh the game against Cincinnati notwithstanding because you know Cincinnati's that talented but they turned around their defense but offensively they're just so 
They're so dynamic. They do such a great job of finding ways, whether it's Tyreek Hill, whether it's uh, tra uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, Pringle, uh, you know, Hardman. They just have so much talent. And Andy Reid's one of the best play callers in football, as you well know. He does such a great job of, you know, the screen game and, and tying it. Even though they don't run the, the ball really efficiently, they do a great job of running the ball enough to set up some of their play action in their screen game. And that's really kind of what sets them apart. Yeah, look, the only reason that game with Denver was close was a roughing the penalty, roughing the punter call, right? They forced two three and outs. They went on a 17-play, 91-yard touchdown drive to start the game. If that, if that penalty isn't there, that game changes dramatically. And I'll say this, you mentioned the defense. Kansas City plays much better defense at home. Their last five home games, they haven't allowed more than 10 points in any of those games. So they are a much better defense at home. I think Pittsburgh's in a lot of trouble there. And we close out Wild Card Weekend with the Monday night game, the Rams as the NFC West champs bring in Arizona. But Arizona has already won in SoFi. So what do we expect out of, out of the Rams? Yeah, you know what? The, the Rams are so much better. And Sean McVay always says it, it's the illusion of complexity. They want to show you a bunch of motion. They want to show you 11 personnel. They want to show you all these kind of three wide receiver sets, and then they just need to cram it down your throat. When they adhere to the physical nature of football, when they run the ball and set their play action up off of that, it allows their defense, you know, it's the complementary nature of football, allows their defense to rush the opponent's passer, allows them to be dominant. That's what they have to stick with. If they do that, yeah. especially with Arizona, because Arizona is just not played very well on the offensive side of the ball. They have been out of sync. Um, they just have not consistently ran the ball. They have not consistently um, made plays in the passing game. Last week I had them against Seattle, and Seattle just, I mean, they just pushed them. They pushed them around. And A.J. Yeah. Green and, and uh, Kyler Murray were just kind of out of sync. Um, uh Christian Kirk never really got going. There's just something missing on the offensive side of the ball with the Arizona Cardinals, and they're just not getting it done on a consistent basis. Yeah, and they do get J.J. Watt potentially back. So, he, you know, he's been designated to return. We'll see what happens uh, and whether or not he can be a contributor in that Monday night game uh, against the uh, Rams. All right, buddy, uh, go enjoy the sunshine. Don't overheat your phone because that's the thing. Yeah. That can actually happen. Yeah, and, heard, uh, we'll I've do heard. this again next week. Yeah, so apparently, I, I, happen, but I've heard it can. Yeah. Mahalo, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Bye.